0: Invisible Threads, a Go Loud Original. I'm James O'Hagan, and from LGBT Ireland, this is Invisible Threads, a Go Loud Original podcast. You can find more information on LGBT Ireland and the work which we do for older members of the LGBTQ community on our website, lgbt.ie. In this special episode, recorded to mark World AIDS Day, which takes place on December 1st, I'm speaking to Jared a 57-year-old publican and postman from Cavan, who was faced with a choice after being diagnosed with HIV in his late thirties to remain in the closet or risk losing his family to come out as both gay and HIV positive. Since the first cases of HIV were reported more than 35 years ago, 78 million people have become infected and 35 million have died from AIDS-related illnesses. Almost directly after its emergence in the early 80s, it was inextricably linked to the gay community, initially being called GRIDS, standing for Gay-Related Immune Deficiency Syndrome, and for many years a diagnosis of HIV was presumed to be fatal. While there's no cure for AIDS, advances in available treatment mean that people living with the virus can live long and healthy lives, and advances in understanding of how the virus works has proved that with effective HIV treatment or medication and an undetectable viral load, the risk of HIV being passed on through sex is zero. Despite these advances, the shame, fear and stigma associated with the virus is still something many members of the LGBTQ community struggle with. I started by speaking to Jared about growing up in Cavan and when he started to realise that he was gay.
1: We came home to Ireland to stay with our grandparents, my father's mother and father. And it was a very loving environment. And we had an a, a brother of my father's, he had children the same age as us and that. Yeah. So like we I I wouldn't say it was ideal, but it, it wasn't it wasn't an unhappy it wasn't in any way unhappy, you know? Yeah, yeah. My grandfather was a was a teacher in the in the secondary school in Cavan and uh but but then, you see, the fact that we had each... The fact that there were two of us was great as well. Yeah. You know, we're totally company for each other. People, my aunt would tell us now that you could just leave us on our own, you know, we just play, you know. It, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't... we didn't It wasn't a big job to entertain us, you know. Even now, we finish each other's sentences, you know. So growing up,
0: you would have had that very close bond with your, your twin brother, who then, I suppose, would have given you that great support. But but also, you'd have been growing up in very close proximity to someone else, and perhaps you would have been kind of aware of the fact that you guys were devoted developing slightly differently did you, do you ever realize that there there was that difference as uh, like manifesting
1: that i was gay no not at all i didn't realize it was gay I, I didn't realize there was such a thing as gay people i didn't realize and even if i did i t- certainly didn't realize that i was one of them
0: yeah <laughs> that i mean and, and do, not, you, do you think that's just because there was no there was no real representation of uh, uh of queer people on tv or do you think that like you were just kind of you know head in the sand you're just kind of like going
1: along well I didn't think about it until uh, I didn't become sexually mature let's say uh, until until or sexually aware even un, until I was maybe 12 or 13 you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. before that and even then I wouldn't uh, I any gay people that I knew of were, were well some of them were mentally ill and some of them were, were very outrageous there weren't, there weren't people that I'd ever think of as, as being like me or, yeah. or that I'd be like them do you know what I mean? And I'm sure there were loads of problems. You know, there, there were, it, it was a terrible time to be a gay person, I think. Yeah. You know, looking back on it. But I, but I didn't realise that at the time. So
0: were you involved in the community? Like, were you? did you play sports? Were you part, like, did you have friends in school and all that kind of thing? Because you hear oftentimes that people who are a bit more, I suppose, it'd be, who are more aware of their, their difference at an earlier age will kind of cut themselves off a bit or will be pushed out. But I suppose if you're not, then you're kind of just maybe, even though you're unaware of something, you're you're a bit freer to participate.
1: Yeah, well, no, I I never felt left out of the community, or I never held myself back from it. I never really became aware of myself being gay until it was about twenty, I'd say, nineteen or twenty. Yeah, do you know, yeah. Uh, I, I I knew that I was attracted to men and that my fantasies were about men, but I thought it was some kind of phase I was going through, or that that you know I didn't re- I I didn't realize that this is this is it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to
0: be like that. like did it did it concern like was it something that you were concerned about or or were you just kind of like so certain well well this is going to pass
1: oh no i i I genuinely thought that i just hadn't met the right woman (laughs) (laughs) it was only it was only it was only only when i was about i I went to america i lived in new york for a couple of years and and, uh, it was only when i went over there that i began to realize that there were there was more representation of gay people on TV. And yeah. I began to realize that there was a kind of community like that. Yeah. And uh I was, when we were going to work one day, my boss pointed out a gay bar to me. There were there were all these leather guys, bikers, and fellas hanging around outside it. It was in the summertime in New York on the on the West Side Highway. And he said, That's a gay bar in there, they're all gays. And I said, All oh, right. I was down there, like the next day I was down there, or two days later I was down there. And sure that when you when you went into the bars that time there was no internet or anything, but when, when you went into the bars there were there were these flyers for everything under the sun all over the you know on, on they had a table of forty different flyers for clubs that you could go to yeah. in, you know whatever you were into or support groups or all kinds of stuff so, I went down and i went I went around the places,
0: yeah, yeah so before you went to America, you you lived in you, you lived in Dublin for a short while before you you moved to Newark, wasn't it? Like you moved. Yeah, I
1: went to college. I went to college in Dublin, but but I didn't. I failed my exams after the first year and didn't go back. But I, I worked in a pub there. I, yeah. I, I worked in a pub there in, in Lanes Street for a, for a few months.
0: And while you were living in Dublin, did you have any interactions or, or or did you make any attempt to find out where the gay community was meeting or or where other gay people were? No. No, that's like at that stage, had you accepted that you were gay or was it still something that you were thinking was yes. just going to indulge in this? Oh, you had. OK, so uh, how, yeah, yeah. how did that Um, how did like how how did you come to terms with that then?
1: It was a gradual thing. It wasn't a it, yeah. it, it wasn't a light bulb thing. You know what I mean? I, I suppose uh I, I just gradually came to terms with it. I, I, I didn't tell anybody, anyone, you know. So when you were in New York, I suppose,
0: like not that necessarily you built like friendships or a community for yourself there, but certainly had access to to gay bars and to an active gay scene. So w- moving back to Ireland, kind of what was that decision process like? Because we're like you were probably aware at that stage that it was there was going to be a hole left in, in your in your life in the shape of this kind of very active uh, gay community.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the way things happen in life and they're, they're not always the way you would plan them. Yeah. Uh, what happened was what happened was that the person the fellow that I was staying with and working with he's from Clare I, we were living in, in New York in the Bronx and uh, he was smoking a bed one night and set fire to the apartment and, and burned the whole building down. The whole building? And, uh, but nobody nobody was injured or anything like that but but the apartment was in my name and, and the fire chief was coming to he found out that the, the super in the basement was very annoyed with us because because the building burnt down and his whole apartment, right down to the basement, was flooded. It was in four foot of water. And, but anyway, the fire chief came around to the pub a few times looking for me when, and I wasn't there. So I decided I was illegal in New York. So I thought I'd go home for a few months and I'd let the dust settle a bit and uh, before I go back, you know, so, so that he will stop looking for me. And then I never went back. <laughs> so that, that's 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 why I came home. Like losing the gay community didn't really come into it. Well oh, that you were, yeah, you were, you were on
0: the run, so to
1: speak. <laughs> but that,
0: I mean, that that must have been a it, like, regardless of whether it came into it or not, it must have been a, a very big, like a big change of, um, like a like a a big change for you to come back from a place where you had access to like clubs and pubs and bars where you could go and you could meet yeah. people or you could you know just even go and be yourself to a to a country that was a bit further right so what actually what year would it have been that you you came back to ireland around would that even the the 90s about about 88 or 89 i'd
1: say 88 89
0: yeah. you came back here so you were even still like pre-decriminalization um so like that that would have been yeah. you'd have been back here kind of a couple of years before before that and did you used st- to did like, did you look for for that same community in Dublin, or did you just kind of go right? Well, th- there's nothing here obvious, so I'm just going to leave
1: it. No, I I, I lived in Cabin. I went back to living in Cavan. I, I and I started, I started uh, going away for weekends. I went to San Francisco several times. I went to Amsterdam all the time. I I I went to Manchester London, various things like that for weekends. I would go, uh, maybe not once a month, but probably once every two months. You know, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. You know, I actually got into a relationship with somebody in, in Amsterdam. <laughs> I brought them home. I brought them home and got them to stay in a hotel near my house, and then I would go and see them there.
0: At that age, you're you're quite confident in your 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 sexuality. Your your kind of um, you are comfortable in who you are. You're away off to these different places, these meccas of the gay, gay community. You've got the relationship. Did it occur to you at any point that you could be out? in your hometown cabin or was that still to you just like no that's a bridge too far for the moment
1: no I, to the extent that I thought about it at all I, w- I would have thought that if I got into a, a serious relationship with somebody and fell in love with them and, and, and wanted to spend the rest of my life with them that I would have to go there
0: yeah so it was a case of you were thinking that this this is if I'm going to have a yeah. solid life with with, yes. a, with a partner I need to I need to be willing to give up all of this so there was actually there was a sense then of like despite the the yeah. the connection you had with your brother the connection you had with your family i can't re- like necessarily know that i can trust all this to 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 weather the sort of nice
1: well i don't know uh yes i hid it from them uh I, I i didn't tell them till i was 40 so like were you living there right up until you moved because you
0: you back in the middle of the pandemic you moved over to your to your, your partner's house uh in the uk so were you living in cabin right from like the late 80s yeah. through to 2020 more or less.
1: Yes, yes it was, yeah. I met Paul. I met, I met Paul I think in about 2006 and he um he pushed me out of the closet completely. He he we'd only been going out together a month or six weeks and he decided that he was going to move in with me. And <laughs> I said well we'll give it a go and he did. I said maybe it's time I should come out now anyway, Do you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I he did. He he came to he came i well i had come out to my family before that but, he, yeah. but in 2006 he came to live with me yeah. and back and instantly within within Two or three days, everyone in the town knew that I was gay.
0: While everyone's experiences are different and everyone's journey through life is unique, there are a common set of issues which we all face at different times or which impact certain groups of people at different times in their lives. I chatted with drag queen, LGBT and HIV activist and host and creative director of Pause Vibe podcast, a podcast for people living with HIV, their friends, family and allies. Enda McGrattan, better known by their stage name, Veda about what HIV stigma is and how it manifests itself.
2: From my own personal experience, um, like HIV and AIDS stigma has been around since the beginning of the epidemic in the 1990s. And the way that the media and the church and politicians and the medical professions handled HIV and blamed the queer community for it, especially in the media, Um, created this giant stigma that, you know, we never experienced around anything else in the world. You can't think of anything as stigmatizing Mm -hmm. as AIDS and HIV because uh, the way that um, the current LGBTQ young people grew up. They're not as aware of
1: the Mm -hmm. history
2: of AIDS, but they're still aware of the stigma. And the stigma hasn't changed because all the representation still of AIDS and and what we live through are around pretty white boys who are gay dying of AIDS. The stories are not about the realities of living with HIV right now, um, and that is one of the major problems and why stigma persists.
0: How does the stigma manifest itself for people living day to day with HIV and AIDS
2: now? The way that, that it's most clearly illustrated is by the lack of positive voices out there in the community. There are so few people who are out about their status and talking about their experience compared to the number of people who are living with HIV in the country. And those of us who can talk about it are in a really great position. That doesn't mean that we're any better or any more important than anyone else who chooses not to talk about it or can't talk about it. And that is testimony to how difficult it is to make people understand what your experience is like. And not be stigmatized by them, even if it's through love. A lot of the time when people come out about their status, their relatives, their loved ones fall apart, cry, wail, throw themselves on the ground, (laughs) you know, it's very hard to deal with that stuff. Because, you know, if you said you were diabetic, would they do that? I don't think so, you know, But, but then people say, where's the stigma? What is the stigma? I'm like, well, that's the stigma right there. And then when it comes to dating as well, you can experience a lot of stigma because people might, you know, understand the science that it's safe, but it doesn't mean that they're open to welcoming the risk or the fear of the risk into their lives. And it also implies maybe some judgment about you that they may have, that you were slutty in a former life or that you were a drug user or a Lady Gaga fan. And you know, so it perpetuates that idea. So in dating, it can be a bit of a setback, but I always say it's like the best filter ever. Because really what (laughs) it does, it gets rid of the the I wanna use (laughs) profane language. It gets rid of the unkind and uncompassionate people. Gets rid of them straight away. So, in that way, it's quite a good thing, but it does impact your dating life and it can really impact how you feel about your sexy. And sex is so important to all of us to our well being and our mental health. And if you feel like you are a vector of disease or untouchable or in some have scarlet letters, it can really affect, again, even if you know the science of you equals you and you're taking your pill and you know that you're not going to die, you still have the legacy of AIDS and what it represents to people emotionally. One of the things I, I suppose I struggle talking about this stuff, but, um, but I think it helps people to understand. I lost a friend to AIDS not so long ago, within the last 10 years, someone who mm-hmm. medically should never have passed away. Yeah. And the reason he did was just stigma. It's the only reason yeah. that he wasn't taking care of himself. He wasn't out about it to anybody. He wasn't getting proper medication. He became sick and that became AIDS and he died. And we hear from people as well who've lost family members either through taking their own life or through having what they describe as a death wish, like partying themselves to death. Uh, Yesterday we were talking to the uh, queer London Irish and and we were talking about how um, during the AIDS pandemic, but even now, People move away after a diagnosis. They go to Australia. They go to Canada. Oh, they're not allowed to go to Canada. They go to <laughs> London. You know, yeah. they go to New York. They go away because they just want the anonymity again. They yeah. they are afraid they're going to be found out, and mm-hmm. it's wild. But these are real people's real lives, yeah. you know. So when people question the stigma, I'm just like, mm, it's fine, you know, in theory to say we don't understand it or it doesn't exist, but we're in there getting our hands dirty, finding out people's stories and and connecting with people and where they're at. So we know where it is and it's cobwebs of it everywhere around the gay community. And we need to blow it out. I suppose for people listening who want to
0: kind of understand more about the experience of people living with, with HIV and AIDS um, hearing, we, we know it's not a surprise, hearing people's stories, understanding people's experiences is the best way to do that. I've learned so much from listening to you on Pause Vibes, so Thank much you. more about the, the the experience of people that even like that I would have foolishly assumed didn't exist anymore. And now I understand the much more nuanced and subtle ways in which that sort of stigma works its way in.
2: So what, so I suppose you host Puzz Vibes, talk a bit of why you thought that was important. I think I felt a lot of guilt about not coming out about my status sooner because I have a bit of a profile in the queer community here. Um, and so when I decided it was my time, I wanted to really do the absolute most that I could. Yeah. So um, after coming out about my status in 2019, very publicly, Um, I was talking more about HIV and AIDS in my show and certainly connecting lots more with people face-to-face in the community or people who are out or not out about their status. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really enjoying that, like loving it. But then Ms. Corona came to town and she (laughs) shut down the party. So I didn't have that way of connecting with them. Um, So then I was doing online shows and I noticed that some of those faces, those people were popping up. And I really enjoyed that they specifically were there. Yeah. And that's how I got the idea of doing a podcast. And the rest has been a roller coaster and a wonderful ride. But yeah, yeah a roller coaster.
0: So you, you were telling me before that it was your HIV diagnosis that sort of influenced your decision to come out to your family.
1: Uh, yes, I, 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 I come out to my brother and, and my uh, father. In 2004, after I'd had HIV for about a, maybe less than a year, but I, yeah. I came out as gay and HIV positive at the same time to them, and and <laughs> to be fair, they took they took it well. I was I was surprised. I mean, it's it's amazing how it's amazing how you think in your head that there's a possibility that these people who you love and they love you are gonna are going to reject you or or and not want to know you anymore. But it's yeah. there in the back of your mind that that could happen. Even though it couldn't possibly happen, looking back on it, yeah, yeah. But you think it can? It, it, it's, it's a. It, it makes you very anxious. Makes you very. It's a very coming out is. It's the best thing that anyone ever did. I've never met anyone who who's ever regretted coming out. But it, it's it's always a very very difficult thing to do. It's always yeah. a very. um it's Yeah, it's a daunting, an exercise, and stressful, you
0: know? You're very anxious. Yeah. And I suppose like you 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 were having to come out not just uh, as gay, but you were also coming out as being HIV positive. And to put it into the context, I suppose, of of the way that your your father and, and brother would have understood it, having kind of come up through the, the 80s and 90s with the very negative messaging. And the, and probably they wouldn't have been as aware of the advances in treatment or the fact that it was a, a it was it was something that you could live with on like kind of w- you could control easily with with sort of medication. Like I wasn't even aware of that until I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying like you 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 educated yeah. yourself on that back in 2004 thankfully there's a bit more of a knowledge around it now and the wider community yeah, is a bit yeah. more understanding well at that stage it really would have been still if you did the only thing people knew as a certainty about 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 HIV and AIDS at that point was that it was a death sentence so there was like this idea of it being kind of like uh like there the, the was I, I'm assuming that for your brother and your father that, that there was a concern there about your oh yeah, they
1: were just worried about me. Yeah, my dad. My dad said, you know, uh, I just, you know, every time you go, every time I would go for a, for an appointment or something, you know, to the clinic, he'd say, you know, let me know how it went, and he'd ask me about it and that kind of stuff. Like he, he yeah. was, sorry, he was only concerned for me. He was, it was never, yeah, he was not negative in any way. And what like what, you you told me that I suppose the
0: the the well trodden path of of every um, serious Irish person's conversation of needing to share thing. you basically just took both your brother and your father out and got them pissed to
1: tell them is that well I told them separately I, I, I told my brother I took my brother to to Prague for, for a weekend for our 40th birthday yeah and I told, I told him that I got him drunk there and told him and uh, he said he told me I was the only person who ever married to him and I still was yeah
0: and that's so really beautiful that was
1: nice. and then I told my father at home and he was mm-hmm. I got him drunk as well Now we're not huggers yeah, any of our family, but uh, we, we, we he, he, again, he took it very well. He was worried about being gay. He was worried about. He thought that being gay was a very could be a very lonely life, and he was worried that I would end up on my own and and uh, you know to be a, to have a sad enough existence being gay. Yeah, but uh, but he was but he was supportive at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I, I won't say he, he certainly wasn't glad to, to hear that it was gay and <laughs> yeah. HIV positive. But uh, as things go, uh, he, he was very good about it.
0: That's a natural kind of what have, um, like I've, I've heard that reaction a bit. And in fact, even my, my own dad had a somewhat similar reaction, which is kind of like, we love you for who you are. But there was this concern of the idea of this very sad, lonely life that you were going to live because that was the only thing that particularly that generation would have seen. Yes. Did 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 his attitude as he say met Paul and sort of saw, say, when you were celebrating the, around the marriage equality, so did his did his attitude kind of did he did he get anything out of kind of seeing a bit more of the gay community, do you think,
1: or do you not know? I think he did, yeah, yeah. He he, he met Paul and liked him and all that. He died before marriage equality. I think he died in two thousand and thirteen. But he was very no, he, he he was he was totally positive. He he was very intelligent likeable friendly man he, uh, yeah. you know what i mean like people would come to him he was everyone like you yeah. know yeah and he could talk to anybody about anything you know yeah he was very good Yeah.
0: <laughs> and actually then um what, what i was going to ask there about sort of for yourself that like that anxiety that you would have you, you mentioned already about how coming out is an anxious time and it really is yeah. that can you can you remember that feeling of of the the release of that anxiety of when you told these two very important people in your life and you knew like oh this is okay they they accept me for who i am can you remember that that relief
1: yes very much yeah i can uh yeah i i, I was walking on air i was very happy yeah yeah you know it, 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 it's a load off your mind it is that that, that the people that you love are okay with you you know it yeah. means a lot That yeah you know, We just talked
0: a bit there about how your family um, kind of reacted to to you coming out both uh, as gay and and HIV positive, but I suppose for yourself, that journey must have been pretty difficult. How did you come to terms with with that diagnosis yourself?
1: Yeah, Uh, well, I I was diagnosed in 2003 and then I started to go on tablets in 2006 I think, but uh, there were... um, I was from a country place. Uh, I knew the man in Amsterdam who was also HIV positive, but... uh, I didn't know anyone else who was HIV positive. I, I, I don't know yeah. if I'd ever met anyone else who was HIV positive. But I um that was a bit that that part was hard. That you had nobody much to talk about it with. There was the internet was on the go by that stage, and, and and you could look stuff up online and see and and read about it. You know, so you knew you weren't going to die, and you knew it was you know reasonably controllable with drugs. But uh, the yeah, uh, I think I missed that having some kind of support, and it wasn't I. I went to a place called Open Heart House. I don't know if you remember that. It was it, it was in Dublin. It, it was a, a support group for for HIV positive people. But uh, I, I would only go. I wouldn't be in Dublin very very often. I'd, I'd, I'd usually go to my checkup every three months, and I'd go then to Open Heart House. And then it closed down then soon after that. So uh, mm-hmm. I, for years, up until I I, I think in. I think in 2019, I joined a support group called Plus Friends. They're, they're, they're a meetup group in Dublin. And all they do is go to the pictures and go to the pub or go for walks, go on holidays, holidays together sometimes, that kind of thing. But yeah, they're all HIV positive, and they're all people in the same boat as each other, and they're very good. But but for whatever it is, 16, 17 years, I didn't know any other person with HIV, basically. Yeah, You know, like it, it was... I I had HIV, but I was on my own as far as that went. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a pity in a way that I didn't, that I don't know if it wasn't available. I I, I think it possibly was available and I didn't look for it. You know what I mean? Or look hard enough for it. But I think
0: as as well, potentially part of it was that a lot of what was available was support. And really, you weren't necessarily looking for support. You were looking for... I was comfortable enough.
1: I was comfortable enough enough. being HIV positive. I wasn't worried about it. I didn't think I was going to die. I wasn't depressed about it. Nothing like that. You know, there was nothing really wrong with me, I thought. But it still was nice to have, it still is nice now to have a community of people that you can talk to, talk about anything But You can ask stupid questions. You can, do you know what I mean? Just someone to talk to. And, and I've made really good friends in it. It's great.
0: Well, that's actually what I was going to say, because I suppose, like, one of the things I, I also wanted to ask you about was that kind of building of a, of a community. Because, you know, as a person who is living... Kind of rurally and when was it you took over running because I, you I, i've always been fascinated by this idea of you running this sort of local pub and cavern with your pride flags outside celebrating marriage equality and sort of the fact that like you were there like even though maybe you weren't as connected into the to the gay community up here in in dublin which is you know the experience of so many queer people around the country you were doing probably some of the most important activism any gay person could be do
1: by being visible in a community
0: in a, in, a, in a community that mightn't have necessarily been as
1: open well i've I basically ran the pub since since 1990 or, or a little after or maybe 95 you know the local community i get on great with them i always have and and, and that's part of why when i come out i think and i have a big family there's eight kids in my family and my mo- my my stepmother's still alive and yeah. uh and lives there so everyone it's a tiny village there's only 300 people in it like uh everybody knows everybody and like they've been in the pub and I've never been stuck for somebody to go for a pint with. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. uh, I, I have loads of local friends and they're very good friends and understand me and know I'm gay and i totally happy with it. They're not. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've never been called names or never uh, been, you know, no one's ever been rude to me or anything, never, Yeah, you know. It, it, it's a great little village. There, there are uh, the people there and i have the best of friends, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that you, you were saying as well about how subsequent to your, your coming out, some people have actually come and talked to you about the fact that, like, knowing you meant them more, made them more comfortable or made them a bit less
1: fearful of if one of their children happened to be gay. Yeah, one, yeah, one, one, man, yeah, one, one man told me that 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 he had an idea that his son was gay and that he had been very worried about it. But now that he got to know me and Paul. And that 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 he that he felt that he wouldn't he wouldn't mind anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which, which is a nice thing to hear, you know. It turned out it turned out his son wasn't gay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But look,
0: if he had been, it would have been fine. <laughs> and I'm sure and I'm sure as well though, there's plenty of people down there who who like who didn't articulate that to you but felt the same because you sort of demystified the like what it, what a gay person is, or or you know what the the gay community looks
1: like. I remember, I, I remember when the marriage equality thing was going on. I I you know the 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 uh, the no side had uh, a terrible poster, yes, on, you know yeah, terrible yeah. lies about and on, and on, 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 on scurrilous things. But uh, they um, I, I put a big sign in the window that I'd give a free pint to anybody who brought in a no poster, <laughs> and loads of people brought them in. <laughs> Just interesting, around when your when your
0: brother. You you told me previously that you have a, a younger brother who's also gay. So at what yes. point did at what point did he come out? He
1: came out before I did.
0: He came out probably ten years before I did. And, and were you aware, like, sort of say, um, just because I'm trying to figure out the age, so, so at the point when, what age would he have been when you were kind of going off to New York? Kind of at that at that age where you were kind of first, like, going off and kind of... Oh, uh, he was
1: young. He's a lot younger than me. He might be oh. only, he could be 12 or 13 years younger than me. He could have been only 10, maybe, when I went to New York.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. And what was it like telling your, your younger brother who had come out before you that you were gay? Like, what was that conversation like? And how,
1: like... You know w- Well he was I didn't really tell him. He was he was living in England. He he sort of heard it through the grapevine. Okay, I, okay, I okay. I didn't I didn't line my family up and tell them one by one and kind of well I think well, once you told one they all knew, you know what I mean? But I'm I'm quite friendly with him. I'm quite friendly with him now. He's married he's married now and living in London. Yeah. He's been married for seven or eight years. Like my mother came over with us and went to the wedding and all that kind of thing. Like there were uh uh, they're, they're, they're
0: yeah 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 and um, and i uh, that one thing I, I wanted to go back to then is there, you'd mentioned earlier about the 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 plus friends group that you had kind of you would gotten in touch with in in 2019 so like throughout your your experiences as an outman you have like great circles of 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 friends who are straight and know you from your your community and who you can feel sort of comfortable going out for pints with but there is that sort of sense of needing a connection into the people who understand you. So, like, it took you quite a while to find that. but how important is that support now to you?
1: Very important. And and as well as that, before that, in about 2013, I think, I joined a gay support group in Canada. Yeah. It was it was set up as part of... Uh, Bernadine Quinn from Outcomers in Dundalk set it up but uh, it it was a an, an LGBT support group, and it was it was very much all of those. It it, it had gay and lesbian and and, uh, and bisexual and several transgender members, in yeah. it, which which is surprising enough. In Canada. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't think <laughs> that like. we could have had ten transgender at one stage. But it, it, it's it's transgender transgender people have very little support. It, it's it's shocking. It is, but knowledge it is being gay or HIV positive. Being transgender is, 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 is hard, I uh, they get so much abuse, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. They get terrible things said about it, and it's not fair, yeah.
0: no, ab- absolutely.
1: And I think, but uh, say- anyway, anyway, that I was in that group for, yeah, but I was in that group for a good while, and I got good support from that. And then, uh, I, I don't know how I discovered Plus Friends, but uh, I did anyway and, and, and joined it. And I've made friends there that I would talk to every day. We have a WhatsApp group, and you know, they're, yeah. uh, I'd call them real friends, you yeah. know.
0: No, that's, that's brilliant. And I think it, that there's that dimension with this. Like the thing is like every, you know, we everyone has different groups of friends from different walks of life and, and none of them are better or worse than any other one, but having people who understand particular parts of who you are in a real d- deep way is so important because it's an outlet for you to talk about stuff that perhaps
1: other groups wouldn't have. They have a lot of members. They have about 300 members, I think, but the, but they probably have about 20 active members, yeah. you know, who go to things regularly and, and that, but, there, there's there's a variation in it. Like I, I'm totally open about being HIV positive. Everyone in my town knows. I put it on my Facebook page. You know, yeah. like that. There. But most most of the people in the group wouldn't be like that. A, a lot of them haven't told their parents or 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 their, their their family, or that. Do you know what I mean? And they're, they're not openly HIV positive. Yeah. And in one way, that shows the stigma about it is that they absolutely don't want anyone to know. Yeah. That. No, it, it absolutely does. I like, And the only way stigma. In, in one sense, it's self-defeating
0: because, anyway, it defeats stigma by talking. Uh, be, because,
1: be, because, because the fact of it's like being, it's like being, it's like coming out as gay. Uh, the only way that people are going to get used to gay people and be, be okay with gay people is if more people come out. If they get to know more gay people, they they realize that's their friends and their coworkers and and the members of their family. And the same is, is true of of being HIV positive. I I think but it doesn't make it any easier to do it. You know, A, a lot of people find it very hard to do.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it, it can be something that you don't want to, like you're all, you've already gone through enough at that stage without then having to turn around and become an educator to other people about you, So you just want to be like, I just want a quiet life. I don't want to have to to be yeah. this. And that brings me on, I suppose, to, to the next kind of little section I wanted to talk about particularly. So I in, in LGBT Ireland manage the, the work we do around kind of older members of the LGBTQ community. Uh, and a lot of the work that we're doing is trying to make health and social care services more understanding of the needs so that they can be more welcoming and opening and the the services that that people need to rely on more as they age become more open what is your as you as you age as a gay man who's HIV positive do you have concerns about needing to rely on supports that may not understand kind of your identity or the particular kind of um your particular circumstances
1: yeah well I, I, I try not to dread things that haven't happened you know I made a decision, I'd say, I made a conscious decision a while ago, I don't know how long exactly, that I wanted to live an honest life. I didn't want to hide anything about myself. I didn't want to, uh, I wanted to yeah. be honest and be able to say, yeah. not have to hide anything, not not to tell lies, not to hide, not to. I'm open about it to everybody. I remember years ago, probably uh, 10 or 12 years ago, I went to my dentist and, and I told the dentist, which there probably was no need to. I mean, dentists are... Dealing, they're supposed to have you know uh whatever it's called uh cleanliness standards you know that 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 protect against things like that like hepatitis c yeah. and things like that can all be transmitted in the same way as which loads of people have can be is transmitted in the same way as hiv so i, I thought i'd better tell him but he was all very weird about it you know they, they'd start giving me uh the last um yeah. appointment of the that- day You know, they'd never let me come before five o'clock in the evening. And they'd they'd say, it's because you're HIV positive. We have to clean the place more after you than anybody else. And I was a bit annoyed at that, but I didn't say anything about it. And then I went down one day in reception. This girl, who I know is a receptionist, and I'm sure she wouldn't have said anything, but she picked up my file to hand it to me to bring up to the nurse, to bring up to the dentist. And it it had HIV positive written in a big black marker on the front of it. Anyone in the office, anyone walking through the office could have seen it. Uh, I called the dentist. I said, "I want." I said, "I want to see the dentist," and he came. and I dragged him outside, <laughs> and I explained to him that I, that if that event like that happened again, I'd batter the head off him. and He he apologized, and it never happened again. And the other thing never happened again. But I think it's that they didn't know he didn't have any HIV positive customers. Even the doctor over here, I live in Clacton now, a town of fifty thousand people. And I was asking uh, when I signed up to the GP, they were asking me what drugs I was on. And she said, what's that for? And I said, it's for HIV. Oh, she said, I'll have to look up that. I don't have any other HIV um, uh, patients. But, I, but, I, but, I, but I, I, I understand. I've heard stories of people, of, of gay people in, in, uh, in retirement homes and things who've had to actually go back into the closet or whatever, or, or they may fi- find that they think that they're the only gay person there. You, you tend to find yourself by default back in the closet you know I would hope that as I get older that I'll be able, that I'll have enough support around me I have a big family and I have a lot of friends and I have Paul and you know I, I hope that uh, I'll be I'll have enough support that I'll be able to be open about who I am and and, and that's whoever I deal with people are very open now I see carers here now for, for Paul's mom and uh, they come in all the time and they see the two of us together and they know where we're, we're, we're we're a gay couple like but they're uh, they're they're all absolutely fine with it you know regardless of their own circumstances whether they're religious people or anything like that they're grand i would hope that that kind of thing is i would hope that it's an improvement situation you know what i mean that that people are more aware generally of gay people
0: well i think it is it is definitely hope it is definitely something that 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 is changing and certainly from our experience in, in lgbt ireland the the rate at which we're being contacted by organizations and and groups who work directly with older people to access our training does show that this is something that people are thinking about if you could talk to someone who was listening to this at the moment who kind of was maybe in this in a in a sort of a similar place to where you were a couple of years ago where you know you're gay you 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 know you're kind of you know you're you're comfortable enough with your sexuality but you are kind of still that bit lonely and isolated because you, you you haven't yet reached out to the community. What advice would you give to them?
1: Well, I don't know. I, you, you can't, every every situation is, is unique, you know. But uh, I, as I said before, I've never met anyone who's come out who's ever regretted it. They all think that it's one of the best things yeah. they've ever done. I couldn't tell any person to come out. That's their own business and they have to do it. Everyone has to do it at their own speed, at their own stage in their life. But if when you do come out, You'll find that you have a community that supports you. Try not to be anxious about it. It's impossible not to be anxious, but to try not to be anxious about it. But I think if people do come out, if someone decides to come out, I I I am telling you now you definitely will never regret it.
0: Like it's only then in the last kind of two years over the course of COVID that you got access to that that group of, of that that plus friends group. What was that experience like over the last two years, sort of with the lockdowns and the 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 is the repeated kind of not being able to socialize? Uh, well, I'd say
1: for about a year or so, uh, we couldn't, we didn't have any events, you know. But we have a WhatsApp group and we chat about our lives and things. But after a year or so, we started to have walks, e- even though there was still a lockdown going on. We'd, we'd have walks in Dublin and 10 of us would go and we'd go in groups of two or three and stay a bit apart. And, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, outdoor stuff. So we started, we started by doing that. And, and, and uh, then gradually it, it came back, you know. But it's good that the group was able to stay together. We're all still, you know, we're all still friends. And then, you see, I'm a I'm a white Irish person. Like, in one sense, it's easy for me. Like, in Ireland, I know people from minorities uh, in Ireland find it even even harder than Irish people to come out as HIV positive. Their communities don't yeah. accept them to the same extent as uh, most people do. And that can be much harder for them. Like, in one sense, it was easy for me. I, I You know, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not a, minor- a minority in any real sense, apart from being gay, you know. <laughs> but, but if you're a minority in two, and your families, you know, your family at home would never accept you being gay, or definitely not accept you being HIV positive. It, it makes life much harder. And do you think the gay community
0: itself could do a better job of being more inclusive? I don't know. I, I, like we all
1: have one thing in common—that's how we're gay. We, you know, we, we, we have to stick up to, for each other. There's only us. You know, we're already a minority. We're already a tiny minority. We shouldn't yeah. be creating minorities within those minorities. You know. And do you think then,
0: uh, on that subject, we do enough to make sure that? Uh, gay and and queer spaces feel inclusive to older members of our community
1: i i i i hear other old i haven't found this myself but i but i hear older people uh some older older gay guys who feel that they're almost invisible to a young crowd that 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 the gays the socializing scene the gay social scene is very much geared towards young people and uh when you're older you're it's difficult to be part of it you're you're, you're you feel <laughs> you feel maybe like a predator or something you know but uh, i don't i don't know i mean i think that's also that's true of straight people i think it's true of everybody Do you know what i mean uh when you're young and beautiful you don't want you know old ugly people <laughs> but uh i don't i don't know i don't know if they have anything to learn everybody has to learn their own life really, don't they? Uh, no matter how, you know, it's the old story the number one lesson from history that we learn is that nobody ever learns anything from history. You have to do it yourself you have to make your own mistake, you have to make your own life.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Invisible Threads. I would like to thank both Jared and Enda for their generosity in sharing their stories For more information about LGBT Ireland and the work which we do for older members of the LGBTQ community or to donate to help us continue our work, please visit lgbt.ie to learn more about HIV and AIDS, visit HIV Ireland at hivireland.ie, where you will find resources and support information. Or to hear more about the real life lived experience of people living with HIV, listen to POS5 podcast, which is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, there are details of organisations that offer advice and support in the show notes. And if you need to talk, the LGBT Helpline is available on 1800 929 539.